How's it going, everyone? Episode 6, here we are. Finally made it to episode 6. It has been a pretty busy week. And I thought maybe I uh, wouldn't be able to get through everything. <laughs> but we got through some stuff. So I have, I mean, I have a lot more to go. We have a lot, a lot, a lot more. For the whole year, I wanted to accomplish um, getting about 100 episodes, maybe more. And hopefully going over everything that, that you all need and expect. Um, of what a home inspector is and what we do and some of the things that may help you. I always put in here like for energy conservation, uh, installation, that kind of thing. I want you all to be familiar with because this is very helpful as a homeowner and as a possible buyer for a home. And if you're selling your house as well, because if you're selling your house and the buyers find all this stuff, well, then you're paying a bunch of money now that you wouldn't be able to, you know, receive from the purchase of selling of your home. You're like you know, 550000 now you're selling it for 400000 due to all that work, you know. And it's it's been a really good year. Um, everybody's been very happy with the work that's been going on in California and I have a bunch of inspectors, and they're all doing a great job. I'm doing a great job. I always make sure that all my home inspections are the same, and I don't differ off of that. I don't change it up at all, because if I change it up, then I may miss something, right? So I always want to make sure that what I do is always going to be the same thing every single time I do a home inspection. The same way every time I do a home inspection. That way everybody's happy, and then I can show all the pictures and everything from my phone, what I found at the very end of the home inspection um, through, you know, our walkthrough. And there are there are a few methods um, to get everything done. So what I wanted to go over today is the, the basic process of when you go into a house and what you're looking for when you go to purchase your house. So... First thing is, you know, when you walk into a house, you know, you have the light and you're, you're looking for certain things, you know, certain aspects like, oh, wow, does this room work for us? So yeah, four bedrooms, is it a three bedroom house? Can we convert one of the areas into another bedroom if we need to? This kind of thing. And how big is the backyard? You know, well, at the same time, you're thinking about that. Another thing I want everyone to add when you're looking at a new home or a used home or anything, is look at the walls and check to see if there's any cracking, chipping, uh, lines, settling lines, that kind of thing. And then count them. Maybe you have a piece of paper or a pencil with you. Count each line in the house. How many are there? Where are they located? Are they next to a window on the inside or outside on the stucco? Uh, are the sheetrock or are they located on the ceiling near the stairwell? Uh, all these areas are normal areas where settling should happen. So settling usually happens at window areas, door frame areas, um, overhang arches, that kind of thing. So if you're going up the stairs, you're usually going to see it along the stairwell. Maybe the right wall, ceiling, settling will happen usually on the base areas of the room. So the biggest room in the house will also have the most settling, probably even the longest one, so the master bedroom in the living room. And then um, if it's a 2007 house, 
you're looking at about 10 to 15 settling cracks if no one's ever repaired them. I have a 2015 home, you should have about 5 to 7. And then, of course, a 2019 year home, you may only have like anywhere from 3 to 5. It really depends due to the manufacturer, how much caulking and paint that they use. Were they able to put enough caulking in the areas like where the sheetrock meets the sheetrock? Usually there's a gap there. You put a lot of caulking in that area to kind of seal it in. Or they use tape and they'll use caulking over that. Not everybody will use the tape, I've noticed. I mean, some some contractors just want to, you know, make, get it over with. So they they forget to use the tape, and then they just leave it bare, and they just use caulking, and they repaint over that. Or they use a fill-in. And fillers aren't the best because we can always know when there's a filler. Everybody knows when there's a filler. It, it always has issues. Um, so definitely want to look at these settling cracks and count how many. Now, why you're counting them? You're counting them because you're trying to find out how much work has actually been done into the house. If you find 20 to 40 suddenly cracks on a 2006-2007 home, you know they probably haven't done any work into this house at all. Unless it's exterior only. But interior, probably never been repainted. And then if it's 2019 and there's like 10 suddenly cracks and you know, yeah, they probably have not done nothing to this house. In the inside, no repaint, all that good stuff probably never happened. So these are these are the reasons why you want to make sure that you're also looking at a few other things. I don't know if anyone's familiar with AC and um, heating systems, um, like the R22 Freon. So the R22 Freon was a Freon that's bad for the ozone layer, mm-hmm. and it was discontinued January 1st, 2020, and we now use the R410A instead. Mm-hmm. And the R410A um is better with energy so the best way to identify if you have an r22 or an r410a is the electrical panel the main electrical panel for an r22 ac unit on the outside's condenser is usually anywhere from a 50 to a 60 amp but if you're getting if that's for a four to five six ton so if you're getting a uh if you see a 30 amp or 40 amp and you have a 5 ton system then you know you're using the R410A because the the lower the ampage the more energy you're saving so that means that you're using a newer system uh, it's very common there's a lot of areas of the house also that you may want to take a look at and maybe even bring some blue tape with you with painters tape and just put that in certain areas to kind of if it's an empty house if it's a new house I would do it too and then I just put the, my blue tape on the areas and then I go over them with a, a notepad so I know where they are. I take the tape off. And this can tell me if I need to see if I can haggle the price with either the seller or the contractor. It's always the best way. So it, there's so many things you can look at at your house, your new house or your old house that you're trying to buy that will really help you out. And if you're trying to save energy, you need to do as much as possible uh, by trying to see if they have solar or no solar. Just because they have solar doesn't mean it's cheaper than if they didn't have solar. For example, a 3,980 square foot house with a brand new AC system and appropriate installation in the attic space has an electrical bill of about $134 a month. 
And I know this because my house is the same size. The neighbor across from me has the same size, 39.85 square feet. And their house, they have solar. Now they're paying $38 a month, but mind you, they have solar and we don't. We're only paying $134 a month. And we have six bedroom, four bath. I think they have a five bedroom. But anyway, so it doesn't matter on the size of the house. It matters on how much has been done to eliminate heat or cold from entering the house and allowing the house to be sufficient in energy and heating and cooling. That's the key. If we can get every house in America to have proper insulation and have uh, proper material, including the HVAC unit, vapor coil, and an AC condenser, and making sure there's no like you know appropriated windows are correct. You know, using the the dual pane windows instead of a single pane window, using a thermalized system around the window, vinyl usually uh, instead of wood, because wood expands and can leave cracks. It can also despand in the winter time and also leaves cracks uh, in the summertime. So you definitely want to have vinyl windows, a thermalized window system. Appropriate insulation, either in the attic space, walls, or both. And then you also want to make sure that your AC and heating unit is up to par. All these things will help save energy. The better everything else is, the less you will pay in the long run due to the fact that everything is equal and where it should be. Now it also has to do when because on energy... You know, we were talking about windows before, I believe in episode two, where if you have windows who have a uh, discoloration, it's a gargon gas issue. And then, mm-hmm. or a krypton gas issue, depending on what kind of windows you have. Um, that can also affect your heating and AC. So if you get curtains, you may be able to eliminate that additional heat or, or cooling from the windows. Uh, that's... Probably your only best bet if you don't want to exchange the windows or have them resealed. Resealing is about $275 roughly, $260 to $275 depending on where you're located. Mm-hmm. In some areas of California, they're, gosh, like four or $500 just to resale. So might as well just buy a new window, right? And then there are other areas too of the house you can also look at. You have your ventilation system and you have your air ducts. So ventilation systems and air ducts, if your air ducts have leaks or areas where they're damaged, mm-hmm. you're going to have an issue with your energy. So definitely want to check your attic out one time a year. See if the AC unit of um, drip pan is not filled up with water. That's number one. And two, identify if there's any separation in the air ducts, cracking, chipping, breaks, chewing marks, that kind of thing. And then this will make sure that your house is sufficient and you don't have to worry about additional energy and losing it. You know, because losing energy, it's a, it's a lot more expensive now. I've seen houses where it's 200 to $500 a month. This is in the summertime. And that's what was, that's without solar. And then with solar, they're still paying about 230 So it's, even though they have solar and they have 27 panels, they're still paying a lot of money for electrical. 
So it really has to do probably with their windows. Their windows are probably not double pane. They are probably have an issue with the air ducts. I know they have a new system that was uh, implemented into their, their house. I believe it was, a, it was a horizontal heating system. So it was a brand new HVAC. And uh, an evaporator coil with an AC unit because the AC went out. There's a house not too far from me. And um, I know the people that live there, I was helping them out with helping their their house become more energy sufficient. And they took some advice from me, but then they just wanted to get solar to kind of, they wanted to rent out their solar is what they wanted. I don't know if they ever did rent out the solar, but it was something that I, I told them that probably won't help them much because, I mean... They have a new system now, so it shouldn't be too bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything everything of a house, all areas of a house can definitely be added, upgraded, and exchanged to meet the requirements for energy. And how do we identify if there are energy areas like leaks that we don't know about? There's always an area where there's a leak or maybe you have some cold air or hot air coming into the house underneath the windowsill, the caulking maybe became deteriorated, and you didn't know about it. Well, this happens very often, and how we repair these are we, we look at all the windowsills. So let's say your energy bill is still 230. You got a new AC system, you put new insulation to the attic space, but your electricity bill is still 230. Nothing's changed. Well, let's go ahead and take a look at the second area. How are the windows? All the windows are good. Perfect. Okay, let's check the window sills. Window sills have small caulking deterioration around the left and right-hand side, like cracking, you know, settling. Um, that could be the issue. So we'll seal those. And then you go along the hallway in, in the uh, living room area, and you say you have carpet. And your baseboards are starting to show some cracking or some chipping of the upper portion of the baseboard baseboards were created to not only block the lower portion of the sheetrock in the interior of homes but also allowed for the home to breathe underneath the baseboards there's always a small little like half an inch or less everybody's seen it i'm sure and everybody says something about it like why is it like that because every house breathes most AC and heating systems in houses in America are all vacuum. That means that the AC and heating system recycles the air inside every room of the house and then pushes it right back in after it's already been filtered through and it's been exchanged for either cold or hot air depending on what you have on. And the additional air being sucked out of the home, the only air being sucked out of the home, would be at the baseboards on the lower level of the house if you have a single story. If you have a double story, it'll usually be on the lower portion of the house in some areas of the upper story. But this is your breathing point. If you've ever been inside of a house and you notice black markings all around the side carpet along the baseboards, well, the blackness, what you're seeing there, is you're seeing a lot of dirt. Probably no one ever, uh, one, vacuumed. And two, um, they use scented candles. How do you know they use scented candles? Well, there's two ways to know if a house has had scented candles through 
for a long period of time, basically, through the AC and heating system, which is number one. Second would be your baseboards. So the AC and heating unit, when the filter uh, breathes in or sucks in the air from a scented candle, it charcoalizes the filter and it comes out black. So the vents will have a black line near the vents of everywhere around the house. This is a telltale sign that you have used the scented candles. And every home inspector should know this too. I don't think all do, do, but most do. If you're a good home inspector and you've done this for a long time, you know what scented candles look like and what the damage looks like. And also, if they use scented candles for a longer period of time, you're going to get issues around the baseboards. They're going to start to turn black and the carpet will turn black because that's the breathing area and that's the main issue. So that's another thing. And then you'll have... So scented candles are going to be your AC and ventilation system and your carpets. So what else can we do to save energy? Well, our hot water heater. What about our hot water heater? So why would that save energy? Because a hot water heater uses a lot of gas. If you're using an electric hot water heater, it's going to use a lot of electricity. And about two times the amount of a refrigerator. Sometimes three depending if you have a 50-gallon or a 40-gallon. Most hot water heaters in America are about 40 gallons. Very few will be less than a 40-gallon, unless it's been converted or something like that. They wanted a 30-gallon of some sort in one area and another 30-gallon somewhere else. That's a big house or a medium-sized house. Or, or multifamily, yeah. Um, hot water heaters can let out a certain amount of fuel. But definitely want to identify if your hot water heater meets the requirements for energy sufficiency. Wrapping your pipes up for the winter is always a good idea. And identifying other areas like underneath the doors, uh, if there's any holes, gaps, garage door area, um, how many doors are being opened in the day, closing your doors in the afternoon or the morning before the afternoon. Uh, in the hallway, so all bedroom doors and bathroom, actually helps save electricity. So if you go into your grandfather or grandmother's house, you know they have all the other doors shut. You're like, why do they close all the doors? Because they're saving energy. They're letting all the rooms get the AC, and then all the living room and area can get their own AC as well. Let's say you go into a house and you turn on the air conditioning, and the air conditioning stays on for two hours. Well, that's definitely not sufficient. Even though it's a brand new system, it's not sufficient at all. The reason being is an AC unit should only be on for no more than one hour for every three hours. So one hour it's on, it's off for three hours, and then it's on again. Another thing is when we're using the AC or heating system, and it's only on for one hour, uh, we should feel nice and cool, 74 degrees, 75 degrees, or even 73 degrees, 72 degrees. We shouldn't have to turn it back on or turn it down because we're not cool enough. This is how we waste a lot of energy. And I see it a lot. You know, a lot of houses I go to, they they say, oh, yeah, my AC's been on for like two to three hours at a time. Or I'll notice it's been on for two hours. So I'm like, oh, my God. So when I do my inspection, the AC is still on the whole time. And I my inspections last an hour and 45 minutes. 
Yeah, so I have to double check those and identify. And a home inspector should always check your AC and heating units for any type of um, exchange issues. So if I turn on the AC and I check the temperature, we should getting it, and I put it at 75, we should getting about 60 degrees or less. At least no greater than 63. If we turn the heating system on, it should be the same thing. We turn it at 75, we should get about 90 degrees out of the heating system. And no less than 88 degrees, or yeah, no less than 88 degrees would be perfect. But it's how the system runs. And some systems, I have to actually request that they contact an HVAC professional or a licensed HVAC professional to add a second return. And why would we add a second return? Most houses who have a single return can only put out a certain amount of AC and heating, the air. The air goes faster and wider and it can suck in more with two returns. A single return sucks in the air, goes into the HVAC, rolls around inside, cools or heats, and then blows it back out. A double return sucks in from both the returns, pulls the air in, goes to the AC or heating side, the blower so forth, and then shoots that air back into the house more efficiently. So definitely if you have an upstairs and downstairs, you should have three returns. One small mini square return, uh, usually a 14 by 2, and then you have a bigger return, a 19 by 21, and a secondary return in the master bedroom, usually half the size. So these are the key points for energy. And when I'm doing an energy or a BPI uh, inspection, I am closing off all the returns, all the air vents in the house, closing all the windows. And then what I'm doing is I'm putting a red plastic sheet over the front door. And then I attach a fan to the lower portion, which sucks the air out of the house at a... Uh, 5600 um, so this one let me see which system I have here yeah so this one's actually at 5600 RPM to 5600 to 6400 RPM so this is the highest one you could probably buy this is like a $2200 fan but the lowest amount you should be dragging out of the house is about 2,400 RPM. So you can get a fan running about 2,400 RPM, sucking the air out, creating the vacuum in the house, and then hooking that up to a machine, usually my laptop, and um, checking to identify how much air we're losing, how much we're gaining. So this will tell me exactly how much energy, and then I'll use a thermal camera around the house to see if there's any leaks. If there are, I mark them. I put them on the computer as a secondary set that we have so many leaks. And then the computer then renegotiates an algorithm to identify uh, how much exact air and energy we are losing throughout that house. A little complex, but not too much. And um, these usually start about $450 to $650 an audit. And this really helps a lot of people because... Once that audit has been provided, then we can also do the repairs. Sometimes it's the AC system. 
the AC fan isn't spinning fast enough or maybe it just needs to be recalibrated or the Freon's low, that kind of thing. Other times, um, we have windowsill, we have um, sheetrock deterioration around the corners, caulking deterioration that's allowing leaks for cold air to come from outside or hot air to come from outside. So I've always had to find different ways to kind of check around the house with a thermal camera. And I have different spectrums of the thermal camera that identifies hot and cold air and temperature. So usually the thermal camera I've been using, um, you can buy on Amazon as well. And it's, it's pretty sufficient, actually. It's a Thermtech, and it's very nice. Um, it works great. Battery isn't the best, but it's got like an hour or two battery life. But it's an amazing system. And thermal cameras, there's so many out there. You want to spend anywhere from $400 to $600 on a thermal camera. If you're not spending four six hundred on a thermal camera, you're probably not going to get some of the best uh, work done. And if you started your company already and you made some money, a great investment would to get your tools, of course, additional tools. I got a drone for doing uh, second and third story roofs. And I got the new DJI Mavic 2. So it was last year, October's release for that one. And they have a new one out, the Mavic 3, this year. So the Mavic 2 uh, works. doesn't matter how windy it is. It stays pretty well, like uh, great pictures, 4K pictures, and it stays flat in the air. So you don't have to worry about how windy it is. Uh, it's very, very good for going up high and low at fast pace. You take the pictures. You can actually take the pictures, save them, go to the album, and then download them to your phone. And then you just hook your phone up to your laptop when you're doing your reports later on that evening. Um, so it's really sufficient, very, just an amazing setup that I got here. So I have the thermal camera, the fan for the BPI's inspections. I have the drone for doing roofs, second and third stories. And a lot of houses that I do are newer, um, lately in this area, in Elk Grove, to Sacramento area, and sometimes in Folsom. So you need, you can't walk on the roof, so we definitely need to do the drone. I don't even know what other home inspectors do. I heard some walk and some will look on a ladder. Uh, but the contractors will avoid the warranty if you walk on it. Anyone but the actual contractor. Uh, let's see here. So yeah, definitely want to take advantage of what's out there. Technology would be your best friend. Having a really nice phone also helps. If you can spend the additional money and get a good plan. Maybe T-Mobile, Sprint, or Cricket or something like that. And... You have like an either um, the new Galaxy S22 Ultra, S21, or an S20. Or if you're using the new Apple iPhone 10, 11, or 12, or even a 13, would be your best bet. Because the newer phones have a better megapixel. You can zoom in more, and it really helps out if you're looking at areas that you just can't really reach. Especially if you are looking on the ground, maybe at a corner... You can't really see very well because there's too many plants in the way. You can actually just zoom in and you get a really good picture. And there is your picture for your report. And then I, I have to do walkthroughs with the clients. Sometimes clients want to walk around with me during my inspection and that's okay. I'll walk around. I'll start doing the inspection. And then I'll just talk to them and identify with them what I'm looking at. If I'm looking at the electrical panel, I say it's an electrical panel. Let me open it up. 
I show them the wires. I show them what I'm looking for. I'm looking for uh, your breaker size and your breaker wire. If it's, you know, a 60 amp uh, breaker and they're using aluminum, it has to be a double size more. Now, when it comes on the AC and heating units, that's the only thing in California they don't care about. So the AC and heating units, because most of the times it's changed out. So if your breaker is a 50 amp, you have an R22, and you have a 14 AWG wire, supposedly that's okay in California. That does not break any code or any issues there, which is really odd. Um, because you want a bit bigger, because it's a 60 amp, you know, and it's aluminum. So that's interesting. But yeah, so definitely want to make sure that the 15 amps are meeting the requirements for 22, the 24 AWGs, and so forth. Making sure that the breakers are the correct size for what you're using. If it's a range, double checking the size of the range, and then implementing to make sure that the wire size is correct. Same thing with the, uh, with the hot water heater. Going to the hot water heater, checking the hot water heater if it's a 40, 50, or 75 gallon. Making sure that it has everything that's correct on it. A lot of hot water heaters won't have um, the TPR valve extension, the temperature release valve. So in that case, I have to put that on there as a health and safety issue. If there's um, certain energy sufficient hot water heaters, the electrical ones, they have four different types used in California now. So we have the gas hot water heaters. We have the gas and electric. And we have a gas. This is very interesting. This is a straight gas hot water heater, but it's not actually the system itself. So how it works is the water fluxes through these copper piping and then goes into the attic space gets the heat from the attic space, and then redistributes it back into the house. It's like an all-in-one system. It also works with the same thing with cold water. There's no cold water input. There's no hot water input. It just takes one temperature, and then it reverts that temperature into hot or cold. I've gone over it a thousand times. I have to do all the studies and all the software about it and then Ashley helped me out with the new inspection um guidelines for 2023 and uh 2022-2023 basically it's from October or is it November I think it's November November to November of 2023 so November 2022 November 2023 implementing uh new guidelines for hot water heater inspections and how it works is we have to double check the source of the water first and then we check the piping system and then we identify if it's gas or electric or both um, or oil or boilers uh, or steam and then we identify in those instances how the pipes conditions the hot water heater condition additional attachments like the control panel temperature release valve um, temperature if it's electric if it's all electric it's usually enclosed system and it has a meter on the front we would identify that meter you know it should also have an expansion tank now so all new hot water heaters have to have an expansion tank in california 
I don't know about other states, but right now in California, if you're installing a new hot water heater after 2021, it has to have an expansion tank added. This is for two things, energy conservation. It also helps with uh, sufficient water at a specific time. So normally we turn the water off for about 5 to 10 minutes. We would get it upstairs in the master. Well, now you don't have to worry about that. With an expansion tank, the hot water should be in the master in about one one minute roughly. So you're not wasting as much water. That's pretty much what they're trying to do. Um, hot water heater energy. So that's the energy for hot water heaters. And there's also basements. Uh, basements are now holding a lot of things like not only the piping is wrapped or unwrapped in the basement, but they also add like the hot water heater would be in the basement. Most basements you won't see unless it's like in 1945 to 1960s roughly. Anything after 1962, we don't really get basements in California. Some do in Oakland. Um, it's not common though. Every almost every house in Oakland has a darn basement, but they're all built in like 1904, 1906, 1926, and some are even built uh, in 1881 and up. Yeah, I say 1881. Oh my gosh, those houses are a mess. Yeah, for an 1800th home, I charge for a, a 1750 square feet. I charge 700 dollars, 650 to 700 dollars, depending. That's about 100 dollars per square foot. Every 1,000 square feet, you know, or one yeah, 100 square feet. And it, it gets pretty complicated because these new houses are easier to do inspections on than the older houses, but the newer houses. You really have to be careful. You have to look at certain areas. You should know which areas you should look at, like outside uh, garage trim, outside garage door side, um, door to exterior trim. You should be looking at your windows, window sills, uh, stucco, upper eaves, fascia, uh, soffit area. Rafter tails are very important. Uh, attic, you should be looking at your rafter beams, your extensions. Uh, your girders, your insulation, heating and AC systems are always going to be in, like the HVAC will be in the attic space. Um, and then you'll probably be even looking underneath the HVAC system at the drip pan. Sometimes those are rusted and that's not good. Um, and then inside you'll be looking at all the baseboards. It depends on who it is. Like Lenar has issues with their baseboards. A lot of cracking and suddenly with their baseboards. And some of Lenar windows aren't even squared off. So they're not, they're not a square or a rectangle. It's off to the right or to the left, which I have seen multiple times with Lenar. I don't know who's doing their work, but they didn't do a good job at all. And then you have Taylor Morrison. Taylor Morrison has a lot of issues with window trim, vinyl or other, um, door frames, some settling along the inner side of the garage. Um, they'll have driveway issues where driveways cracked already. The driveway cement. It hasn't even been a year. It's like 10 months. Um, and then they'll have some issues on the secondary, second story as well. But pretty much the same issues. Door framing separation, window framing separation, window sill separation, that kind of thing. They just don't put enough caulking in those areas, I'm thinking, and that's why we're getting those issues, you know, most of those issues. Um, and then you'll have, let's see, Beeline Homes. 
They're having issues with carpet becoming loose. Um, they're also having issues with the ceiling caulking, deterioration, settling cracks, um, sheetrock tape. So sheetrock tape is put in between two pieces of sheetrock. The B-Line homes have had those separate in the garage and living room area. So it actually creates really, really long settling cracks all on the ceiling where the paint's now, the textured paint, uh, is now chipped open. Or cracked open. That's, that's pretty much what we're seeing right there. Um, this is some of the companies that are out there. There's a lot of companies and they all have their own issues because every contractor is going to hire some people to do the work and some people are non-professional and then they just been doing it for 20 years, you know? Just because you're doing it 20 years doesn't mean you're doing it correctly. They definitely need to be looked at by the super or the foreman just to identify if it's, what they're doing is the correct way. And this will really help. Or maybe they just don't care, you know, the supers. But yeah, this is the basis of buying a home. Um, I'm glad I was able to go over a lot more of the energy conservation, helping people out with energy, lowering the energy costs, kind of helping your home a bit too. And this also is going to prevent you from having a huge electrical bill. Well, great. It was really, really good to, to finally uh, get episode six out of the way and, and help you all out with all this. Episode seven is coming soon. My friend Dylan's doing a lot better. He's not as sick anymore. So we'll probably have him on a live chat uh, next week. And then I have some real estate agents who also wanted to jump on and do some um, podcasting with me as well. So we'll be bringing them in next week. And hopefully we, you and everyone else who's listening to the podcast will be able to actually um, understand from a realtor's point of view and I'll go over some questions with them, of course, and they can ask me some questions so it's, it's, you know, it's equal for both sides. That way we can both answer questions and hopefully this really helps a lot of people. If there's anything else you need, don't forget you can message me on the podcast or you can even um, email me at llc at gmail.com. And then I can answer your messages, uh, emails, or so forth whenever I'm available. Well, thank you so much, everyone. Have a terrific day. I will see you next time, Episode 6. Take care.